Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Called House, and, and I'm going to do my very, 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 very best to uh, end it today. Um, however, I do reserve the right to go back and visit some stuff at a later day, <laughs> okay, because I'm still not sure I want to end this thing yet, but we're going to try to end it today. I, I told you, and uh, is this mic cutting out on me? I, I'm losing. Okay, I just want to make sure that it sounds like it's leaving me, Danny. I don't know what's going on, but I, I told you that God is establishing for himself and constructing a house. Uh, good news and bad news. He will do that with us or without us. And so what I've been challenging you is that what we want to do is we want to covenant together as a corporate body. God takes us and the Bible declares that he joins us or fitly puts us together and creates in us a place that he can dwell. But we have to make up our minds that we're willing to become that dwelling place. And so we're going to do some review, and I'll tell you what I told the early service. The, the faster you, you stay with me and answer these questions, the sooner I get out of my, my introduction and move on. I had to kind of camp a little while in the introduction. Tari bailed out everybody in the first service. He was on fire, man. He was on fire. If I grade on a curve, they all got 100 because Tari answered all the questions right. So he's not going to say anything. He's going to leave you on your own, going to leave you hanging this morning. Because what we said is this. God will never dwell in a place that he has not designed. He is not obligated to live in what we build unless we build it according to his plans. I told you last week that I do believe we can create a move of God if, it's a big if, if we do it his way. So I've taught you some things over the last few weeks. I want to see if you remember. We said that every house operates on house rules. Every house has their own set of rules. God's house has a set of rules. His rule for his house is authority. God operates on authority. He doesn't operate in a democracy. He operates according to a theocracy. What God says goes, right? So we want to get in lockstep with authority. And then I, I, I jumped off there and said there are authority figures in our lives. There are basically three avenues or venues or arms through which God exerts his authority. And I told you that the number one authority figure for our life is God's Word, that's right. We can't negotiate God out of His Word. We can't twist His arm and make Him change His Word. We take God at His Word and what His Word says go, goes and it reigns supreme and is preeminent and prominent over everything else, right? But there's a second authority figure and sometimes it seems that we march out of God's Word. And we don't know where to turn and we don't know what to do. And we've searched his word. We can't find an answer. And at that moment, another authority figure raises its head in us and it is our conscience. That's right. It's that peace level that resides in you. In other words, how many of you have ever uh, walked out of your peace level? Ever done that? get your hiney whipped I've, I've had that happen I, I are y'all with me this morning I went I, I wanted the car I didn't pray about it felt uneasy about it bought it anyway and it broke down every week and I blamed God and it wasn't his fault he tried to warn me right there's a peace level that is in you that you got to learn to listen to and answer to but then there is a third level or a third figure of authority in our lives and we don't necessarily like this one too much uh, Woody talked about this one because God not only operates and speaks to us through his word and through our conscience but he also places 
delegated Quinn's cheating. He was here in the first service. Uh, he's got a cheat sheet back there. Oh, you weren't in here? Okay, he was in the building. But uh, delegate, good job, Quinn. Way to go, man. Everybody give Quinn a hand, and he had it right. Delegated authority. How about rained on Quinn's parade? Uh, delegated authority. We don't like people to tell us what to do. You ever said that? Don't tell me. You can't. Yeah, there are people that are assigned to us that God uses to speak to us. And we need to be submissive. I told you that does not mean that you have to call the pastor on Monday morning and say, can I put gel in my hair today? No, please put gel in your hair. You don't have to ask me what color should I paint my 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 living room. I don't care what color. Whatever makes you happy, paint it. But that's not what I'm talking about. But there comes this moment where God will place words in people and he has assigned them as an authority figure in your life that we've got to listen to what they say because it keeps us from making mistakes, right? But then also said, not only does he operate on authority and not only are there house rules. Listen, I, I, I'm not just saying it. I am committed to the fact I will call you on this over and over again. I am making covenant with you and you and me that we are going to operate in this house according to house manners. We're going to treat each other the right way. And so I gave to you four R's just to prove to Woody I could still alliterate my messages. We did four R's. Remember them? We're going to deal with one or each other different than everybody, how the world operates. House manners, remember what they are? The first one is an R. We, nah, out of order. Regard, Tari Belgi out again. We regard one another differently. I don't just look at you as some crazy person. I don't look at you as some great person. I look at you differently. I regard you after the spirit and not after the flesh. So I see Jesus deep inside of you, and I regard you as Jesus in the flesh, and that means I treat you different. Now, number two is we respect. I say thank you. I honor you. I, I prefer you over myself. we got to treat each other with respect. But there are problems sometimes, and when there are problems, then we commit to the third R, which is to resolve. That's right. We, we man up, if you will, and we go face one another, and we treat each other nicely, but we deal with the, the hurt and the pain that we cause in one another's life, and we resolve that thing because I can't worship my way out of that, and I can't pray my way out of that, and my prayers are blocked, and my worship is blocked until we resolve the issues of our life. We all know that we all going to make mistakes, so the fourth one is we restore. Grace is a mandated manner in the house of God, and so we treat one another with grace. And I offer you grace because the day is coming when I will need grace, right? And then last week, finally, we talked about that God does not move into empty places. He moves into prepared places. And I said to you that I took you into the Old Testament and reminded you of the story about the man and the, the, his her. Uh, his wife that built onto their house. They built up and prepared a room for Elisha. And he moved in there. And I told you, you can't build up and, and, and until you recognize that there's no room in your present structure. you got to think differently. We've been challenging you to think differently about church. It's not what we've always thought it was. And I told you that we can't build up unless we have a sure foundation and that we must furnish. You remember the furnishings? They placed a bed, a place of rest. we got to learn to rest in God. Then they placed a table, a place of communion and fellowship where we get to know him. Then they placed a chair, a place that represents total support where we get back to this place once again where we rely completely and totally on God and God alone. And then they placed a light, a lamp. 
And you remember I told you that the word that you get in here on Sunday morning, it only lights your world for Sunday. You've got to have the word operating in you all week long because it is that word that secures your path and it keeps you from sinning and it gives you direction. In other words, the word that you get in here on Sunday is nothing more than dessert for the main course that you've been chewing on all week. So this morning, I want to kind of try to land this thing and finish this thing out and talk to you about some things. Now, how many of you have ever uh, taken part in a parade of homes? You went and bought tickets or went to, on a parade of homes. Okay, a few of you. I've never been on one. Julie's been on a few. I think I understand the premise of the parade of homes. Here it is. A parade of homes allows you to get a glimpse or a peek at how other people live. Isn't that what it does? Now, listen, i got to put a tagline on that because what it does is it allows you to see how people live cleaned up and spruced up and pledged up and windexed up and nice. All the, they pull out all the nice stuff when, you, when they're doing they, they shove all the dirt under the bed so you can't see it and they move it. They go get a storage unit and go put it away for one month and then bring it all back in when you're gone. That's what a parade of homes does. It gives you a glimpse into people's homes. Well, what I want to do this morning is I want to go on a two-house stop, a parade of homes where we go view two houses that are going to kind of complete this picture, I think, of what God is trying to build among us and will teach us some lessons that we need to know. So I, I want you to turn, if you will, to, uh, to Genesis chapter 7. When I start reading this, you're going to recognize it and you're going to try to check out on me because you've learned this Bible story when you were a kid. And so I want you to listen carefully and not check out on me this morning. Genesis chapter 7, verse 1. The Lord said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Take with you seven of every kind of clean animal, a male and its mate, and two of every kind of unclean animal, a male and its mate, and also seven of every kind of bird, male and female, to keep their various kinds alive throughout the earth. Seven days from now I will send rain on the earth for 40 days and 40 nights, and I will wipe from the face of the earth every living creature I have made. And Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the floodwaters came on the earth, and Noah and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives entered the ark to escape the waters of the flood. Pairs of clean and unclean animals, of birds, and all creatures that move along the ground, male and female, came to Noah and entered the ark as God commanded Noah. And after seven days, the floodwaters came on the earth. Verse 22. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Every living thing on the face of the earth was wiped out. Men and, men and animals and the creatures that move, move along the ground and the birds of the air were wiped from the earth. Only Noah was left and those with him in the ark. House number one. House number two also can be found in Genesis. It's the story of Babel. Genesis chapter 11. Uh, I could back up and read several verses ahead and we'll read one additional verse when we get to this house. But let me just kind of focus in on verse 5 through 7, if you will. It says, But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. And then the Lord said, If as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand 
each other. Parade of homes, house number one. Noah understood house rules. Noah understood that God operates on the concept and by the principle of authority. And so the Bible says that God said to Noah, build an ark. It's kind of interesting that there had never been rain. There was no need for a boat. And yet Noah says, when God says, build an ark, Noah says, I don't understand, God. What Are, are you off your rocker? Or is, there, is there something wrong with you? Could I build an RV instead? No, the Bible just says that God built, or that God said, build an an ark and Noah did exactly as God commanded. In other words, remember the first time I spoke to you on house, Noah said, yes, sir, and began to build. He understood authority. Interesting comment. The Bible says that Noah built it exactly as God had commanded. He understood house rules. He understood that in order to be inhabited by the presence of God, I've got to build it exactly as God says to build it. I've got to follow the blueprints. And what blueprints he got. Isn't this crazy? He built this boat. It was massive. Think about this a moment. Most theologians believe after studying the measurements that Noah's ark was 450 feet long. Think about how big that is. It was massive. They think it was 75 feet wide and 45 feet deep. And then the instruction comes to Noah to bring on board all of his family. And then, as you know, all the animals begin. Now, we mess it up. We mess it up. As children, we learn, and, and this is partially true. We got part of it right. We say the animals come two by two, and they do, the unclean ones. The clean ones, the Bible says that he got seven of them. So seven male, seven, seven female. That, man, just can you imagine that scene? I almost said this morning, I wished I had been then there. I realized the end of the story and decided I'm glad I wasn't there. But, but can you imagine the scene of all those animals making their way? Was he Tarzan where, where he could hit his chest and do that call and all the animals respond and come to the rescue? I don't know. All I know is the Bible says that they begin to come to Noah. And they enter in that, all those animals, think about it, all the, the, the hippos and the rhinos and the hippopotamuses and the tigers and, wow, the bears, all those animals. But out of this house, with all the animals, God teaches us some things about his house. Here's the first lesson. Sometimes you won't like the smell of God's house. Think about this a moment. How many of you have ever been to the zoo? How many of you have ever gone into the elephant exhibit? Have you noticed that when you walk into an elephant exhibit or maybe a hippo exhibit or a rhino exhibit, that when you walk through the doors, the first thing you, do, you, you take in is not the decorations, you don't think, man, the walls are beautiful in here, or boy, the, they, they painted the rails such a nice color. It's just beautiful in here. The first thing that smacks you in the face when you walk into that enclosure is one thing and one thing only, the smell. It stinks in there. Can I remind you that Noah and his family was shut up in that ark with all of those animals for 377 days. No Lysol. No stick-ups, no Febreze, no pooper scoopers, nothing. Can I tell you that there were, listen, how many of you, I, I used to live in North Carolina, and certain towns had pig farms, and you could drive, you didn't even have to stop. You'd go to the drive-through window of the local 
fast food restaurant, and you'd lower your window and go, whew, I think I just lost my appetite. It, you could smell it for miles. I believe that that's what the ark probably smelt like. It was a floating zoo. They didn't like the way it smelled every day. You go, well, what does that have to do with building God's house? I just came to tell you I wish this wasn't true, but it is true. There will be days. There will be moments that you're not going to like the way passion smells. I wish I could say that you would never get up on a Sunday morning and, and start getting dressed. And, and, and I wish I could say that you would never go, ooh, I, I just don't know if I want to go today. I wish I could tell you that there would never be a day where somebody didn't say something they weren't supposed to say. Or that I wish I could tell you that there would never be a song that just didn't quite do it for you and cause you to raise your nose up in, in repulsion and back up. And I don't really like that. I wish I could tell you that everybody would always act like they should always act. But the reality is this morning is that there are going to be days when you're not going to like the way it smells around here. You know why? Because we're in here. And a lot of times we stink things up. But I want to show you something this morning. In spite of all the smell. I, uh, listen, the, the ark didn't smell like roses. You could have grown some roses. But it didn't smell like, okay, y'all get that later. Some of y'all slow, but you're worth waiting on. Come on now. It stunk, and it smelled, and it was full of stuff. But I want you to see something this morning. Noah and his family didn't get off the boat. In spite of all the smell, in spite of all the stuff that they had to deal with, in spite of the, the repulsion that they may have felt at times, they decided, they made up their mind that I'm going to stay on the boat. Why would they stay on a place that stunk like that? Because of lesson number two. They stayed on the boat because that house still provided protection and covering. In spite of the smell, in spite of the stuff, there was still provision in the house. In spite of everything that they didn't like about it, there was still covering in the house. There are all kinds of stuff in that house. There was all kinds of stuff that took place in that There were all kinds of things in that house except for one thing. You know what one thing was missing? Floodwaters. The flood couldn't get in. And so this morning I came to encourage and challenge some of you that you need to make up your mind about what house you're in because there are going to be days that you don't like the smell and there are going to be days you're going to want to exit this house. But if you exit this house, you exit the covering and the protection and the provision of this house. There are days, I'm telling you, I'm warning you. Ask those of us that have been through something lately. There are days when storms come. There are days when there are challenges that come on the horizons. There are days when everything doesn't work out the way we want it to. And on those days, you've got to be in the right house because the right house provides protection and covering and provision for you. The North American Christian does not grasp or understand the concept of covering. In fact, we think we can just go to any house we want. We think we can just walk in and walk out any way we want to and never darken the doors again. I just came by to share some news with you this morning that when the storm of your life approaches, you better be in the right house. 
uh, y'all are looking at me like I'm crazy. I told the worship team this morning this was going to be the harshest of the words in this series because the way I really want to say it, I can't, the Lord won't let me say it exactly like I want to say it because what I really wanted to say was get in or get out. Because if you're not in, you're out. And if you're out, this place is not covering you. And, and the, the protection that God has positioned in this place for you, it, you're missing it if you're not covered. And listen, you cannot choose the house that you attend based on personality or style. We have to choose the house based upon what house floats. In fact, let me, let me share a conviction with you that I have that's not real popular, and, and, and you may even question whether it's biblical. I think I can prove it to you. I believe that uh, for everyone sitting under the sound of my voice, can I just tell you this morning that I believe that you all have an assigned house. Oh, don't look at me like that. I think God assigns a church to you. And you say, well, why, why do you believe that? Well, I believe it because in the Old Testament, and we think God's changed, He's still the same. How he operated in the Old Testament, he still operates in the New Testament. In Numbers chapter 2, verse 7, God begins to give instructions to Moses on how to outlay, how to lay out the camp. He, and he, he, I was going to read it to you, but let me just read the last statement. You can go read it for yourself. In Numbers chapter 2, verse 17, he comes to the conclusion of all of his instructions, and this is what he says. Every man in his place, by his standards. He's giving, he's saying, put them there, put them there, and then he comes down to this and put every man in his place. I have a question for you this morning. Why do we think that God in the Old Testament would assign people particular places, but in the New Testament we can treat church like a Chinese buffet? I'll pick it according to my taste and according to my comfort zone and according to what I want to eat and what I don't want to eat. And I don't even have to pray about this thing. I just pick the ones that just push my buttons. And if it doesn't push my buttons, then I'll even go find another one. Never understanding that the house of God is not a buffet. You are not church shopping. You are house shopping. And you got to find the right place. Because if you don't find your assigned place, then let me tell you what happens. Then you are out of place. And if you are out of place, then you are uncovered. And if you are uncovered, when the storms of life come against you, nobody will have your back, and nobody will cover you, and nobody will look out for you. And so I want to challenge some of you this morning. You need to go back home and pray about what house you're picking. Well, why are you here? Because you saw the cool sign? Because you saw somebody's bumper sticker? Because you visited a cool-looking website? Because you got family or friends here? No, you need to go home and figure out, is this my assigned place? And if it's not your assigned place, then go find your assigned place so that you can be covered. Well, Steve, your church is not old enough for you to be telling people to leave. I understand that. But you got to understand, God will fill his house. But he can't do it if we got people out of place. I just happen to believe that there are people all out there that are assigned to this place. We just got to go find them. Three people that believe that. Okay. How do we know? Well, let me use my story. Have any of you ever attended uh, another church? And I'm not bad-mouthing them. It could be a great church. Listen, I'm not saying that. Just... Listen to my heart this morning. How many of you have ever attended another house, and when you leave that house, you don't feel protected? You don't feel covered? In fact, can I, have you ever left church mad? Okay, I, I thought so. I didn't think I was the only one. I thought I was going to have to do an altar call just for me. 
I've left church mad. I've left a house mad. I've left a, a house more miserable when I left than when I came in. I've left a house d discouraged and disappointed and disillusioned. How many of you know if you leave like that, most likely that's not your assigned house? The reason that I keep coming back here is because when I leave, even though I've worked myself to death on Sundays, is that I feel refreshed and I feel renewed and I feel encouraged and I feel covered and protected. That's why I keep coming back to this house. That's how I know this is my assigned house. My question is, is what do you feel when you leave? Oh, please don't misunderstand me. You don't base your house decision on how you, quote, feel. Because there are days I don't feel like, okay, y'all fill in the blank there but I understand I go into my into that deep part of me and I choose this house based on what it does for me spiritually and in relationships and so we have to choose the right house is this your assigned house that's an important question to ask can I tell you why because of lesson number three others will laugh at your house Noah was the laughing stock of the neighborhood. A boat? Why do you need a boat? It's never even rained before. Why would we need a boat? Have you lost your mind? That's ridiculous. You would call that a boat? That's your house? Let me try to get in some of your lives. Why would you choose to leave this comfortable house for that smelly, storefront, fledgling, gaps in the ministry house when you can stay at our plush, posh, full-functioning, and sanitized house, why would you choose that house? Why would you choose a, a house when they got, they got that nasty parking lot? Why would you choose that house? Why would you choose the house where they don't have everything that you really need to, to be, all that we're looking forward to church, they don't have all Why would you, come on now, I, Julie and I have experienced ridicule and doubt. You'd think everybody would be in favor of starting a new church, but that's not the case. You'd think everybody would be in favor of you coming to this house, but that's probably not the case. Some of you have experienced laughter and doubt and ridicule and scoffing, and what I am calling you to do is go back and answer this question, is the laughter worth it? Is the scoffing worth it? Is the doubt worth it? It, it may cost you relationships to come to this house. You've got to answer in your own spirit, is it worth it or not? Uh, for Julie and myself, we've answered that question because what I do is what I would encourage you to do if you've decided that this is your assigned place, then when people start to scoff and laugh and make fun or doubt, just look at them and say, you don't understand. My family's being saved. There ain't no floodwaters in there. That thing floats. I don't understand why God would establish a house in that nasty little storefront. I don't understand why God would use those people that way. All I know is it floats, and it's worth it. You've got to count the cost. I'm, I'm challenging you, some of you, to go back and count the cost. Is it really worth what you're enduring? And if it's not, then go find your assigned place that it's worth paying the price for. I just think this place is worth all of that. And the last thing I would say about Noah's house that we need to connect to is this. We've got to go back and connect to the favor. Let me explain. Go back and think about our text again. 
Verse 1 says this. The Lord then said to Noah, go into the ark, you and your whole family, because I have found you righteous in this generation. Who found favor with God? Was it Noah's family? No. Was it his children? No. Does the Bible say that God spoke and said, Noah, I have found favor with your, your wife as such a woman of God that I'm going to let favor rest on? No. It says, Noah, I found favor in you. You have found favor in my sight. You are righteous. And because of that, I'm going to save your entire family. I just want to tell you this morning something you need to understand about this place. I don't understand this. I don't take credit for this. I can't figure it out. But what I've come to realize is that the favor of God rests upon this house. I understand that favor's not fair. There are houses all over Oklahoma City this morning that are good houses. But, but I, I'm just saying to you, for whatever reason, for whatever God in His own wisdom has chosen, that you say, how can you, do I need to, can, can I give you a few examples? We're only two years old. Look around you. This is favor. Look around you. This is favor. We're on the major thoroughfare through Oklahoma City as a two-year-old church with a pretty decent little building. That is favor. We got people's lives being changed. That is favor. We've got people's lives being totally rescued. That's favor. We got people getting healed. That's favor. I don't understand it. I just know it's true. Why is that important? Because you need to understand if there's favor on the house, then you ought to begin to look for that favor to flow down because everything flows down. And if there's favor on the house, then you ought to begin to see favor flowing down to your house. That's why it's so important to pick the right house because can I tell you this morning, that's whatever's at the top flows down. So if there's infidelity at the top, guess what flows down? If there's disease at the top, guess what flows down? If there's, if there's divorce at the top, guess what flows down? If there's dysfunction at the top, guess what flows down? I am saying to you this morning, I don't understand why God picked us. All I know is that there's favor resting on the house. Therefore, you can expect favor to flow down to your house. You ought to begin to look for it. I want his favor. I love his favor. I know it's not fair, but I'm thankful this morning. House number two, Genesis chapter 11. The Bible says that the people begin building themselves a house. Their construction project teaches us some things. I want you to see some things. The, the Bible says that they begin to build this tower, this house, and God sees what they're doing and, and is amazed, and he makes this statement. He says, they're speaking the same language. And if they can do this thing, nothing is impossible to them. And he steps in, not because they're doing something great and not because of that. And I'll get to why he stops them here in a second because it's the second lesson. But the first lesson is this. They were unified because they were all saying the same thing. And at the moment that they begin to say the same thing, nothing was impossible for them. Can I make an observation? In North America, we don't see very many churches that we can say about those churches that there's nothing that's impossible for them. You know why? We can't get everybody to quit saying different stuff. 
Everybody's got to share their own opinion. Well, if we just had purple carpet, the presence of God would come into this place. If we would just put a little stained glass every so, where, so often, that would, that would cause us to have the presence of God. We all have our own opinions about how it should go. And because of that, we never come to this place where nothing is impossible for us. I am saying to you that God wants this place to be a place where nothing is impossible to us. But the only way that we get there is when we begin to say the same things. So let me just make it really, really easy for you. We've made it so simple for you. Are you ready? Encounter, equip, engage. Made it so simple for you. That's all you got to say. Yeah, but I've got this other idea. Yeah, I know. Encounter, equip, engage. Well, we got this. You you just don't understand. We saw this other church did it. I understand. But if we would just all begin to say the same thing, encounter, equip, engage. If we would say those things and sell out to those things. See, unity is underrated in the American church. Woody read it to you out of Psalms. I'm just going to reference it quickly. The Bible says that when brothers dwell together in unity, y'all remember this passage? That there is a commanded blessing there. Uh, Can I illustrate it? God's on his throne. Passion folks begin to go. Encounter. Equip. That's what we're about. We're not about garage sales. We're not about peanut brittle sales. We're about encountering, equipping, engaging. At that moment, God sits up on the edge of his throne, and he sees blessing hiding out over there in the corner with nothing to do. And he goes, you know what? I hear a unified sound coming out of that house right down there. I command you, get up off of your seat and go to that place. And blessing steps to Attention steps out of heaven, comes and resides in this house, and that blessing not only carries over to this house because everything flows down, that commanded blessing comes to your house as well. I don't know what kind of house you want to live in and be a part of. I want to be a part of a house where there is a commanded blessing. And the only way we get there is by saying the same thing. And finally, let me point this out. Their house fell and sunk, not because they were trying to do something impossible. Their house did not fall apart and sink because they were unified. God was amazed by their unity. I need to go back and read it to you. Here's why it fell. I didn't read this portion of the scripture to you. Here's what they said. Come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens. There you go. So that we may make a name for ourselves. So in order for us to establish the right house and to build a house that God will reside in, we have to keep the focus right. Can I just be honest with you this morning? I'm not building a house to make a name for Steve Ely or for a good sound and worship team. 
or for uh, I, I don't even want to be known as the bastion of creativity and excellence, although I hope we get there one of these days, and I hope we people know that we'll do everything we can do to do it the best of our ability, but that's not what I'm, that's not whose name I'm trying to get noticed. You can put my face on a billboard if you want to, but I'm not trying to draw attention to my name because my name doesn't save anybody, and my name doesn't help anybody, and my name doesn't protect anybody, but there is one name that has been given under heaven and earth by which men will be saved and if we lift him up he will draw all we are making a name for him and at the moment this becomes about making a name for me you just come and notify me of that and I will check out of this place and at the same time when you try to make it about you I like to wear boots on Sunday morning so that at the moment you make it about you, I can extend the right foot of fellowship and get you in line. This is not about you getting your spiritual goosebumps. This is about making a name for him. That kind of house will always stand and will always provide and cover. Back to the parade of homes, and then I'm done. A parade of homes is a great way to get a glimpse of how your neighbors live. It's a terrible way to live your spiritual life. Now, let me explain if, if, if you allow me just one more moment. I told you that the days will come when rough seas are ahead and bad things come your way. It, I would lie to you to stand up here and say, everything's going to work out all right all the time. It's just going to be a cakewalk. No, this is life. And if all you ever do is go on a parade of homes, can I, can I just fill you in? That, that parade of homes that you've been to in the natural, when the storms come, they're not going to let you back in their house. For instance, uh, in our house, we have a storm cellar. It's one of those that they put in the garage that you pull your car over. You can fit about, I don't know, six, seven people in there. See, Julie and me and Tal and Devin, that's four. And my mom and dad live right down the street. That's six. It's Christmas season, so we're going to put on a little extra weight because of all the junk we eat. And so when the tornado comes, as much as I like my neighbors, they ain't getting in. Hear me. Hear me this morning. When your life is falling apart, you better be in the right house, and a parade of homes won't get it done because they're not going to let you back in. When everything begins to go right, when that house is, is blessed, if you're not a part of that house, as much as you like that house, as much as you drool over that house, as much as you're amazed by the structure and the decor of that house, when they're blessed, bad news, they ain't going to let you have none. That's terrible English, but it gets my point across. So what are you saying, Steve? You saying, are you telling us that uh, you don't want us to go visit any other churches? Is that what this is really about? No, you can go visit all the churches you want to on Thursday. <clears throat> no, seriously, if this is your assigned house, then you need to be here. Because when, when the devil comes against you, and he will, that's his assignment, by the way, go call up that church you visited and see if they have the time of day to give you. I'm just being real. Y'all might not like it. I'm just being real. If this is your assigned house, you need to hear this. You need to be here because this place will cover you. You need to fun. You saying we're not supposed to learn from other churches? No, I try to rip off every other church I've ever learned about. 
I want to I want to learn everything I can from them, but they're not my house. Are, are you supposed to, are you saying, Steve, that we need to just huddle up, lock the doors, us four, no more? No. There are assigned people out there to this house that don't even know they're assigned to this house yet. And it is our responsibility to come in here and get protected and covered and go out and get the rest of our family. There must be some because there's some empty seats this morning. That's our obligation. I'm just telling you and challenging you that you need to make up your mind which house is yours. Because here's the deal. Once you find your house, guess what our responsibility is? Our responsibility is to make our house home, sweet, home. And I just wanted to tell some of you, there's no place like home. And so my challenge to you this morning, hear me carefully, is that some of you, if not all of us, need to go home, our natural homes, and we need to pray through and ask ourselves this question. Is this our house? Is this the house that God has assigned me to? And if it is, then even on the days that it stinks, I ain't getting out. Because it covers me and protects me and makes provision for me. I've been in a weird mood all day, so I'm going to end this weird I'm going to sit down with you, and I'm just going to pray over you, and then Danny's coming. Father, we want to be like Noah. I want to build like you said to build. I know storms are coming. I know there are hard days ahead for some of us. I know there are challenges that we're going to face. And therefore, I know that it is absolutely essential that we find the right house because if we don't have the right house, we'll go down in the angry seas. But if we're in the right place, we will be covered and protected. So this morning, God, I pray that we would answer the challenge, that we would take this message home and we would chew on it, and we wouldn't treat church like a Chinese buffet. We would select the house based on your assignment for us. And once we find our assigned place, we would lock in and allow the blessing to flow down to us. I pray that you would do that in Jesus' name. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, You can't live without passion.